Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 237. It's fun and it's frustrating because when we get the first flavors and it doesn't taste just right, we think, oh my gosh, is it ever going to get there? Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. I'd like to kick it off right away by thanking Terry for giving the show a wonderful review. She says, if you are a creative entrepreneur, add this podcast to your list. I've followed Sue for over a year. She loves what she does and knows her stuff. Listen and learn. A big shout out and virtual hug to you, Terry. Thank you for sharing also that you've listened for so long. It helps to know I'm on the right track with content, and then it continues to bring you value. Reviews are always so helpful. They reinforce for me all the work I put into the shows and also helps to get the podcast seen by more people. If you haven't done so already and could jot down a sentence or two for a review, it would be most appreciated. Up today, we'll be talking to two sisters who have gone into business together. You'll hear how their skills complement each other and how they successfully navigate what many times becomes an issue when you're working with family. They've got tips and advice on what they've found has really worked well for them. Interestingly, One of their first strategies to getting attention for their new product was through influencer marketing. Hear what this is all about and how you can integrate this as an avenue to new customers too. Let's get right to it. Today I have joining us Sarah and Noelle Yusuf of Barabites. These are two sisters in business together. Combining Sarah's culinary education and Noelle's business background, the two put their minds together to create Barabites, which are dark chocolate-covered fruit centers made with 100% pureed and pressed fruit. And I can be witness to the fact that they are yummy. (laughs) Their goal is to create dark chocolate-covered fruit bites that are different than the typical fruit and chocolate combos that are out there. They love combining different types of fruit to make unique combinations that balance perfectly with dark chocolate. In January of this year, so 2019, unless you're hearing the show a little bit later, they launched their first fruit flavor and chose to use four types of berries to give their customers that pop of berry flavor. Sarah and Noelle's newest and more exotic flavor, Passion Fruit and Kiwi brought a new twist on chocolate-covered fruit with its strong tropical taste. All of their products are Project Non-GMO Verified, Kosher, and they only use fair trade cocoa in their chocolate. Sarah and Noelle, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you, Sue. I am so excited that you guys are here. To start this off, I like to do this in a little bit of a different way, and that is by having both of you describe yourself through a motivational candle. So if you were to create a candle that speaks completely to you, Noelle, why don't you start us off and tell us what color and what quote would be on your candle? So my candle would be blue, the color blue, maybe like a dark blue. And the quote would be, the most difficult thing is the decision to act and the rest is merely tenacity. I love that because you're right. So many people think, 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 and never act. But for some reason, I'm feeling that you don't have that trouble. I think you're pretty good at getting going, taking the action. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just by way of your product, right? And Sarah, how about you? Okay, so the color of my candle would be yellow. And my motivational quote would be, in order to be irreplaceable, one must always be different. And what does that mean to you? It means that you always have to be different in everything you do. You can't be the same. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because when I met you guys just last week almost as we're recording, but when this actually airs, it'll be a couple months ago, I came up to your booth 
And I was thinking that you had chocolate covered fruit. But then when I understood that they were pureed and mixed and all of that, so you kind of have a takeoff on something traditional like chocolate covered raisins, but you've added your spin of being different, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I know we'll get into that in a little bit, but that's what I think of when I hear your quote. So (laughs) perfect. You've applied it to your business already. All right. Well, take me back. I'm not sure how you guys want to do this, but how did you come upon the idea of this business? Maybe your backgrounds merged or tell me how this all happened. So when we were little, we always, chocolate was a big part of our lives. Our mom loved chocolate. Our grandmother was French. She always introduced us to European types of chocolate. Her family in France owned and still own a bakery out there. So we were always exposed to different flavors, desserts, but primarily chocolate was revolved around that. And we used to always cover fruit in chocolate growing up. I think it was a favorite family thing to do. And when Sarah went to culinary school, she got a chance to really experiment with different things and desserts and different Yeah, I mean, I went to culinary school and I actually studied baking and pastry. So I've always loved baking things in my house. And on my mom's side, our grandma came from France. So we had a bakery there and baking was just a big thing in our family. We always used to bake every weekend. My grandma used to always make delicious French tarts at home. So did you guys grow up in France? No, we grew up actually in the Middle East. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we grew up in the Middle East, but our grandmother always lived with us. When my grandfather passed away. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, she was a big part of our lives. She lived with us, a multi-generational home. And so when you were in culinary school, what was the vision? Of our product? Well, just of Sarah, when you were going through school, like what were you thinking you were going to do with it? Did you always know you were going to start your own business? You know, that's funny. When I first went into school, I was thinking of the idea, like maybe I want to open up a bakery, follow what my French side did with their bakery. And then as I went along, I started to become more creative. I started using more like Middle Eastern spices in my pastries. And I started using more of my cultural background. And then I realized soon on that I kind of want to start my own product. I kind of want to make something on my own and sell it and do something a little bit different and more creative that we have out in the market. So the idea started bubbling up. It just wasn't all of a sudden a revelation is kind of like merged and twisted maybe as you were in school. Yeah. And I think our French background was we used to eat a lot of French chocolate. We never really ate a lot of Hershey chocolate growing up. You know what I mean? No like, offense to Hershey. Yeah, no offense to Hershey. <laughs> I mean, Hershey's good too. I used to eat Hershey Kisses too. But so I wanted to bring some of that element of with the snack industry, you know, in the US, have more of an elevated taste, you know what I mean, in the snacking world. And everything I found, like a lot of the chocolate was just, it was okay but it just did not meet our standard, I feel like. You know, we would eat a lot of French chocolate and we're like, eh, I wish there was something out there in the supermarkets where we can actually love to eat. But right. you know, that's really good because you saw an opening. You saw that there uh-huh. was something missing. So that was really smart. And so Noel, what about you? What about your educational background up to that point? So my educational background was a lot more dry than Sarah's. I mean, I did my master's in international finance and my MBA. So it was very business oriented, very, I guess, it's relevant to what we're doing now. I think it's very important to have you know, oh, yeah. educational for background sure. yeah. in business, for sure, which we quickly realized when we started this. But that's how we kind of came together. And we had always gotten along. Sarah and I were like best friends. So we let each other shine at the right moments. She knows I'm better with the numbers and the business strategy. And I know she's better at the creative product development, even marketing side. So we really meshed well together, I think. So it came together very naturally. Okay, but tell me how, like the moment when you guys are like, yeah, let's do this. Let's actually go into business together. Let's do it. Well, it's funny because when I was still in business school, Sarah had already kind of tried to start her own product. She was looking into doing like a date bar business and she was doing it with some other family members. And she's like, you know what, this is maybe not too difficult, but maybe it wasn't the right time, right? Time was the Mm. challenging part in our lifetime. And then when I graduated, I had a decision to maybe go work for a corporate company or to start something with Sarah. So Sarah's like, you know, do you want to try to do this together? I said, you know what, let me take a year and try to do this. Before I rush into getting a corporate job, I have some time, I saved up some money. So why don't we put it into this and try it for a year? That was our moment where we came together and started this. 
So right out of school. Yep. Right out of school. Because I knew if I had spent too much time thinking about it, I don't know if we would have ever gotten started. Yeah. And and also our parents, too. They were really big encouragement for us to start our own business. They told us, you know, you can go get a job, of course, but you can also go and start your own business now while you're younger and you won't have any regrets in the future. At least you tried something. Yeah. Because you could entrench into a, a corporate job and then never see your way out, too. Oh, yeah. So, well, it's really, you guys were very fortunate because you had the encouragement of your parents. A lot of people, especially this whole entrepreneur, I'm going to do my own thing type idea, isn't as well received because we're not used to it as much. And I would suggest European background, that's what people do there, right? They have their own shops. It's all the more boutique-y type businesses. As I kind of reflect on my travels, that's what I think of when I think of Europe. So... All right. So for our new people who are just thinking about a business, tell us the first steps you took to start getting established. So for us, we registered our business, of course, as the mm-hmm. first step. We developed a business plan, Sarah and I. We sat down and really thought about what the product was going to be, what market it fit into, how we were going to sell it, what the price point would be, all those little details. And that changed over time, but we had a starting point. We had thought about those things, I think, from day one. And we did a lot of research, researching online, reaching out to people for information, see if they would be willing to share their experiences, trade shows, just different types of research that we could do to really grasp the industry. Yeah, that's one of the things I actually did before Noelle. When I first started my original product with my bar business, I actually went to the fancy food show up in San Francisco and I just walked the floor and I just talked to some of the vendors. I saw what was out there, what was there, and I got some ideas, and I just studied the market more. I really encourage a lot of people to do that. Just go to these trade shows and just walk the floor and see what's out there if you're interested in starting a food product or any product. Yeah, especially, well, anything industry specific, but I've been to that fancy food show too, and it's huge, which is really nice because you get to see lots of different options. You probably also got to consider price points there too, what's already in the market for not exactly the same thing, but something comparable to kind of feel your ranging out of what it would be. So you just started this year. You're about eight months into your business, right? Was it the fancy food show this past January or the January before? No, it was about three years ago, actually, when Sarah first went to the fantasy food yeah. show. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had spent about a little over a year in research and development. And then we just launched in January. So it took us a little over a year to finalize the flavors, the design, the certifications that took us a while. So our product is a little bit different in that sense where we had the certifications to get on our product. And so, yeah, it took us a little while to get to this point where you see a January launch, but there was work behind it going on. Yeah, people don't look up. at that part. Yeah. People don't see <laughs> like, oh, you just started in January. Well, actually, we started over a year ago in the product <laughs> development stage. <laughs> no, I think that's really important. You know, I did the same thing when I started my first business is I took my time and really planned everything out, did the research, just like you're describing. And I think that's smart. I think some people, they want to start a business. Now yours, because it's a consumable business, you do have the licensing. You have to think things through a little bit further. But even for people who are product-based, it's so tempting just to say, okay, here's the name and I'm going to start selling. <laughs> you know, right. Someone said I should start selling the scarves that I make. So let me think of a name, grab some business cards, and now I'm in business and I'm selling. And without any planning, any thinking of how they'll be put into the market, like their positioning and all of that. So I'm really glad you brought it up because that was really, really wise. And a year, that makes sense for you guys, for sure. Where are you producing your product? About an hour outside of San Francisco. So do you have a commercial kitchen or do you have other people producing for you? How's that? What are you doing with that? Yeah, we work with a contract manufacturer that has our recipe. We develop it with the food scientists to scale it because that's another thing with food. It could be one taste in your kitchen or taste a certain way. And then when you scale that, it's a very different process, especially when you're working with fruits like we are. We have to be careful with certain things and the scalability of our product. Right. And did you do that right from the beginning? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We started in our kitchen experimenting with different flavors to see what flavors would go together, like the passion fruit kiwi. We started that in our kitchen to see if those flavors blended well with chocolate. So we made like a little jelly center in our kitchen and covered that in our dark chocolate and then tried that. And then we would take it to the lab and try to see what that would taste like on a bigger scale. 
that had to be a fun time. It's fun and it's frustrating because when we get the first flavors and it doesn't taste just right, we think, oh my gosh, is it ever going to get there? But then all of a sudden in batch 10. Yeah, it's, it's really a balancing act, especially with a passion fruit. Passion fruit can be really acidic and sour. So it was trying to get that right balance with the kiwi. And I wanted to throw in the kiwi because I just felt like that was just a cool thing to just mix with passion fruit. Like I haven't even seen that in the market yet, like passion fruit and kiwi. So I'm like, let's just throw that in there. And then we also have to balance it with the dark chocolate. So it's like, okay, so how do we balance these two things together? And it, it took us a while, actually. People don't realize. <laughs> even, even the marketability of flavors, too, we had to think about. Yeah. We're like, okay, how is passion fruit going to be received in the marketplace? But we've got great reception so far. We're like, it's kind of a risk flavor. You know, our mixed berry was more safe, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. and passion fruit, when you think of passion fruit in uh, pastries or in chocolate in general, it's usually only seen in the higher end pastries and little chocolate bars, you never really see it in the snack industry. I always felt like, why don't we elevate the snack industry? People are always on the go. They're traveling or they're working and stuff. They want to eat something a little bit more higher end than just chocolate covered strawberries. It also makes you different, right? I mean, I guess it is a little bit of a risk. It does make you different. I was thinking as you've been talking and talking about the combinations, and this really doesn't have anything to do with where we're going, but I'm super curious about it. You also have to figure out the ripeness of the fruit. You have to catch the fruit at the right time, I'm guessing. Right. And so that's a good thing about our product is we tend to source our fruit from fruit that's going to be maybe not thrown away, but it's the overripe fruit that gets used to puree and juice. So we get to benefit from that. It's not the fruit that goes on the shelf that's pretty and perfect and fits in the box. We use fruit for juicing and pressing and different things. So it's softer and probably has more sugar to it then too, right? Right. It has more flavor. More flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I just was curious on the side because I know how (laughs) we are at home with our fruit. My husband likes them unripe and I like them riper. And so lots of times there's no fruit left when I get back because I was saving it and he's already Oh, no. (laughs) So a little challenge, but we can overcome that. That'll be fine. All right. So your experience up to this point, so up to where you are now, having created your product, gotten the business started, doing your market research, all of that. Any suggestions or thoughts or direction for someone who's just starting out, things that you've learned up to this point? Yeah, I think sticking with an idea is very important. You know, we can get really excited about a new business idea or a new idea in general, and then it'll fizzle out after six months. You'll get to a certain point where like, oh, this is too hard or this is a barrier. This is too complicated. This is too complicated or it's too saturated or whatever. Someone else is doing the same thing and we just stop and then we just carry on or find something new that we want to do and we never stick with it. So sticking with a concept is really important. Seeing it through within your means is, I think, really important. Well, it sounds like you've had the experience where maybe that's happened before. And I'll suggest that potentially there is a point you test a product or you're seeing that it's just not working, it's not being received, and there might be a point where you step back. So how do you know whether to step back or to push forward? That's a good question. I think people's reactions. Yeah. Honestly, that's one thing that we do. We always have people try our product. Oh, try it. And then you can tell by somebody's reaction when they first bite into a food product if they really like it. You see the reaction like, wow, this is really tasty. Like, what is this? Whereas you see somebody who tries a product and like, oh, it's good. And you know, I will say one thing. We did come out before we came out with the mixed berry and passion fruit kiwi. We did come out with like a prototype product of just strawberry in the center covered in dark chocolate and milk chocolate. And we got feedback from people on that product. And that was before we even thought about getting certifications. We're like, well, certifications, those are for big companies. Like there's no way we can ever apply for those. And we did more research and we found out we could. But anyway, when we came out with that first product, the trial product, we got a lot of feedback from people. We saw their reaction. They weren't so thrilled about the product. The taste wasn't there for them. And they're like, well, you know, if I'm going to buy this product, you don't have any certifications with some of the distributors that looked at the product. So we adapted from there. That was the point of the shift in our business. We're like, okay, we need to do this better. And that's when we decided to really hone down on the flavors and certifications and finding a contract manufacturer to help us with that process. So we shifted at that point. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the time, sometimes people will be really negative. You'll meet people who try your product, buyers and stuff, and they'll be like, well, it's okay. It's not that great. Or you don't have certifications. 
instead of taking that as a negative thing, we looked at it a positive thing like, okay, what can we do to make our product better or to make it more sellable, tastier and with certifications? We went back to the drawing board and we changed things and we really thought about Mm -hmm. how to adapt our product. Yeah, I agree with you because if they would have just said no, not interested, you would have had no idea. And certifications, although that's in your genre, Nicole, that's the part you get to do, right? The right, right. But had people not said that to you, you wouldn't have known an avenue. You would have just known that there's something wrong, something missing, maybe I should say. And the other thing I think, especially with that first flavor, the strawberry with dark chocolate and white chocolate, mm-hmm. I'm guessing there was a pre- supposed flavor connected with it just because of chocolate dipped strawberries right Uh Mm uh-huh exactly so even if it was good they might have been thinking it was going to be one flavor and then all of a sudden it's another so that could have been something i don't know yeah that's true because when people think of chocolate dipped strawberries it could be many things it could be that synthetic tasting strawberry flavor that you taste in some products they have like the artificial flavoring strawberry flavoring so sometimes people have tried that product in the past and like well it doesn't really taste like strawberry well actually it's just pureed strawberry covered in dark chocolate and they're like, well, it doesn't really taste like strawberry. Well, it doesn't have any synthetic flavorings or anything like that. Right. So sometimes, yes, you have to like convince people. And we're like, okay, well, we want to make an all natural product. We don't want to use any artificial flavoring. So we're like, well, how can we get more of that berry flavor out of the fruit? So we're like, okay, without adding any artificial flavorings. We're like, okay, well, how about if we mix multiple berries together and really hone in on that berry taste? Yeah. Perfect. Well, that's a check in the column for the combos and all that and bringing something to market that isn't there already for sure. Okay. And so as you got started, you got all the certifications needed and all of that. How did you first start getting the word out to people about Barabites? We'll hear all about how Noel and Sarah attracted attention to their business right after a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of The Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. Well, online, we started our social media pages, trying to share it with people, influencers. Did you have a website then already? We did. I made the website and we started reaching out to different influencers, sending them free product. We went to trade shows, different mm-hmm. events that we could share our products with people, give them samples and different little markets. We approached different supermarkets like uh, specialty markets, knocking on their doors, telling them about our products, selling it to them directly to get it on shelf. And then, yeah, that's how we got started with spreading the word about our product and within our community too. We shared it with our friends. We joined different Yeah, groups. some of our friends were really cool. They actually bought our product and they posted it on their Instagram pages. I'm like, wow, that's really nice of you yeah. <laughs> like in the beginning. That is really nice. Yeah, those are good friends. They need to have extra samples, free samples afterwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We give them free stuff all the time. You guys have been doing this as your full-time jobs, both of you. Yes, at this point, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I want to get back to influencers in a minute. But when you were talking about between influencers, shows, and supermarkets, did you guys have strategic planning meetings together to talk about how you're going to approach all of this? Was there a plan or was it willy-nilly? How did all that happen? Yeah, we did have a plan. And we would adapt that plan based on how much feedback we were getting. So, for example, with the influencers, we would reach out to the influencers kind of cold turkey, like, hey, we're so-and-so, we're from Barabites, we'd love to share our product with you. And some of them were receptive toward it. And then others were like, well, here's my fee. Yeah, some of these influencers are really big and they have a lot of followers. Of course, they'll ask, like, well, this is my fee and it's outrageous. Well, because they have a big audience, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. So that's understandable. We're like, well, we can't really afford that right now. So we changed (laughs) our strategy. We're like, well, let's change how we're approaching these influencers. Why don't we tell them a little bit more of a personal story about us and how we're sisters and we're getting started and we're a small company, we're a small family company. And the feedback we were getting from them was great. They're like, you know what? I'm a bigger influencer. These are my posting fees. Like this is how much it costs to do a post but I'll post it to my story instead for free. And that really worked out well for us because we're like, that's really nice of you. Thank you so much. We approached them almost like this will be a future partnership. We grow, we would love to invest in a post with you, but for right now we're very small. So being transparent with them really works. So that's how we started with one strategy. Can I just stop you for a second? I want to point something out to the people who are listening. 
you didn't see that approaching influencers, when you first started and it wasn't quite working, you didn't just stop and say, this is not the way it's going to work for me, for both of you, for us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You adjusted your approach, which I think is really important. If your goal is goal one and your strategy to get to it doesn't work right away, don't always change the goal, change the strategy. Right. Because you'll have found, okay, this approach doesn't work. Then you tried another approach, which was personal story, which that wins all the time. I mean, if anything is going to do it, it's going to be that personal story behind whatever you're trying to do, whatever the action is, that will have the most impact for sure. So I'm glad you brought that up. So, okay, so that was influencers. Okay, then shows. What happened with shows? So shows, we displayed our product, the prototype product that I was referring to before, the uh, just the Strawberry Center. And we showed that one at the Fancy Food Show, I think about two and a half years ago, two years ago, exactly. So wait, before you actually established the business. Right. So were you representing under a different name then? No, it was under the same name. I'll take that back. We did establish the business, but it wasn't in full force yet. We had established the business name to attend the show. We had a small booth that we were sharing with somebody else, a couple other people. So it was more feasible to kind of get our feet wet in the industry to mm-hmm. see what it's all about, to put us. And it was really nerve wracking for us. Cause yeah, was, that one was in New York. Yeah. Fancy food show in New York. Yeah, it was scary for us. Yeah. And that was a huge show. Too. Yeah, that was <laughs> almost too big for us to get started with. But it was good in that we were thrown in the deep end right off the bat. So we displayed that product. We learned how the industry worked really quickly by talking with people. We learned that we needed a distributor because we had thought originally like, oh, we'll sell just all directly to these stores. And they're like, no, who's your distributor or who's your broker? Who's this? I'm like, what's that? You and know? it was really intimidating too. It was very intimidating because <laughs> we were like, oh, we don't know what that is. So that's how we put ourselves out there and showcase the brand at first. But some people really liked it. And then that's when we got the feedback on the flavors and the certifications. Yeah, a lot of people are really nice about that. They're like, you know, you need to have this, you need to do this. And we learned from that. And honestly, really thankful for those people. Yeah, we are because we asked them. They would almost walk away and we would stop them. We're like, no, no, wait, we want to learn. Can you please explain how that works? We're new. Then they kind of calm down a little bit. They're like, oh, okay, like, let's give you some more information about this. You guys are trying. Some people will, some people won't, right? Right, some people won't. Yeah, Yeah. Some people just walk away and not have any time. Well, yeah, they don't have time. They're like, I don't have time for you. (laughs) But you guys are lucky because if you had those situations, you weren't unto yourself where you just go back and like hide in the corner. At least you guys could talk with each other and support each other, which was a big advantage, I think, for you. Yeah, I always say you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Then you're going to be learning. So whenever we get to a point where we're too comfortable, I always tell Sarah, like, let's go do something that's going to make us feel a bit uncomfortable, whether it be public speaking or talking on a podcast or anything. That You're not uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, we're shyer than you think. <laughs> but that's the way we learn. We put ourselves out there and we have to grow that way. Right. We always put each other like in really uncomfortable situations. Like we'll all be like, oh, go talk to this person or whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to. But then when I do it, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did it. (laughs) And you've got that backup support of your sister. So that's really lucky, I'd say. I have a couple more questions right in this category because I think this is where a lot of people start. And actually, this is where I suggest that people start. Not necessarily as big as fancy food. (laughs) I would agree with you there. But even like if someone has a product, and let's just say with a consumable product, since that's what we're talking about here, but any product, I don't even have to say it that way. Farmers markets, local craft shows, anything like that to see the receptivity of your product, to get feedback on it from a consumer. And to see the words they use to describe your product, Mm -hmm. all of that is really great information to go back and to build on. Absolutely. Yeah, we did a couple of farmers markets in the beginning. That was very helpful. Shows that you would never think that your product fits in, but does. We went to a couple of movie theaters, just having like a little display to share the product. You can go up to the manager of the store or event space and ask them like, hey, I have this new product. I want to hand out samples. Would that be okay with you? Some places they're okay with that. Others, no. But unique places where you have almost like a captive audience and you're the only one there, but that's okay. You're getting feedback. Oh, yeah. Like cafes, like local cafes and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like a lot of smaller cafe owners will be really nice. And be like, oh, can I can I hand out some samples to your customers? A lot of the times they'll be really nice and they'll let you do it. And that's what we did. Well, and hopefully maybe they're going to buy and put them on the counters for the way out or whatever. It's true. (laughs) You never know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about supermarkets? 
what happened there? Is that where you had distributors for supermarkets? Right. So supermarkets were an interesting case because when we first started, we would sell directly to the supermarkets. And now the specialty supermarkets, in my opinion, are going through a change where they're working with certain distributors now, a lot of them. They're restructuring. It's easier for them to work with one distributor rather than a hundred vendors directly. Some of them still have hybrid structure. Didn't Whole Foods go through that in a mass level? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. When they got purchased by Amazon, I think their structure is changing a little bit. But so we started approaching distributors directly. We never got any calls back. We're like, okay, there's something wrong here. We're doing something wrong. We tried that for about a month, I think. We gave ourselves a month to really try to talk to every distributor that we could find to see if we can share our products with them and get feedback on it. We never got any responses. We're like, okay, we're doing something wrong. Maybe we need to look at brokers. Maybe there's something to this structure in the business. Let's try that. And so we talked to various brokers and it seemed like that was our way into the supermarket business was talking with brokers directly. And they have the contacts with the stores and distributors. So that's the route we took. We worked with one broker in California and they helped us get in with distributors and stores. So we're always learning, adapting, changing our strategy quickly. And again, you didn't change the goal. You just changed the way you were going to get to the goal. Right. With each of these three, did you approach all of these at once or did you start with one, really land it and then go to the next? Yeah, I think we started with one and then went to the next because we are a really small team. So we want to do everything in the best ability that we can with our time. So we would start with one. We're going to approach brokers. We're going to try that for a period of time, see how that goes. In the meantime, we're still selling directly to some customers via online, but that's our focus for this month. And we prioritize things. We go back and forth. And talk to me a little bit about social media and what you're doing there. What's your biggest platform? Yeah, we mainly focus on Instagram right now. We don't do a lot of Facebook. We're trying to focus on one social media platform at a time. So our main focus now is Instagram. And we've been doing a lot of different things on Instagram. We've been doing giveaways with other smaller companies, other food companies, and we'll contact them and then we'll do a giveaway together and then we'll pick a winner every week or so and then we'll send them out our products. And then we'll also use influencers as well. Yeah. Reaching out to them. Reaching out to them. We pay for some ads as well Mm -hmm. to get our name out there. But yeah, Instagram is our main focus right now. And with the ads, my strategy specifically, I, I focus on the ad spend. But I try to spend the money in the locations where we have store presence. Mm -hmm. So instead of just blasting out the ad, spending the money all across the United States, I'll try to focus it in certain zip codes where I know we're selling the product. So maybe that community in that area, they'll see it online via Instagram or other platforms, and then they'll go to the store and see it again. So maybe if they see it a couple of times, they'll recognize the brand over time. Yeah, you're smart because they need a couple of those touch points before maybe they're going to buy. Mm -hmm. And so how are you gauging the results of your ads? Because you're not seeing a direct correlation with code, coupon codes or something on ads. It's hard with the regional ad spend. We talk to the store and we see how it's rotating. It's really hard to get a solid gauge. We spend a certain amount of money there, but we also do coupon codes. That's more for like online sales. So we do that as well. It's easy to gauge because we can see the sales coming from that. And also influencers, sometimes we'll give them a coupon code as well to see what their influence looks like. And we'll do a combination. But yeah, the store reach and the zip codes is harder to gauge. But we notice that when we do it, the store rotates more. I mean, so maybe it's correlated, maybe it's not. Maybe there are other factors. That's a pretty good sign. You're right. Yeah, it's hard to tell, but we also let the store know for the relationship building. So we'll let them know what we're doing because that's also another value is that the store is happy that you're supporting them. And we'll tell them like, oh, we published this ad in this zip code. So it's around your area to let you know that we're trying to promote the product. What percentage, you don't have to give me exact percentages, but I'm just curious, is more of that mass performance through stores versus individual direct-to-consumer sales online? Yeah, so it peaks, you know, it depends on the season. So in the summertime, online sales slow down a bit because it's hot. Yeah, yeah, it melts. melts. Yeah, Yeah, people are not craving, I think, so much chocolate over the summertime, maybe some people, but, you know, overall, the season's more in the holiday. So our sales peak during the holiday season online. And I believe it's overall, I think online sales are about 10% and the rest is all in store for our product because it's a snack impulse buy. But you also made a conscious decision to go that way. Yes. I mean, you could have wanted to go direct to consumer, maybe gotten into some schools, that kind of thing, or more local. 
But I think based on, again, influencers, shows, and supermarkets, that was where you were going to go. That was your direction and your strategy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. All right. So all of this sounds great. It sounds like you've done everything perfectly. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We're still learning every day. We've made a lot of mistakes along the way, believe me. <laughs> that was a great reaction, by the way. <laughs> so tell us a story of when it didn't go so right. Well, I remember one point, I thought this is still hands down, probably the worst day of my life, where we were going to like an outdoor show. It's like an outdoor festival. And we wanted to present our product. And everything that could have gone wrong that way went wrong. It was like one of those days where it was raining and it was an outdoor event. So no one showed up. We had spent a lot of money to be there. And it was just a mess. And I thought, this is it. We spent all this money. I don't know. Like, this is just an, a bad omen. But those things happen sometimes. Was this right in the beginning? It was in the beginning. And it was just a terrible day. But there's incidences like that that have happened to us where we're like, oh, is this not going to work? Or people say no a lot of times. Buyers will say no to our product. We're like, okay, let's go find somebody Oh, yeah, they'll say at this time we can't purchase. Or, you know, maybe in the next three months or six months from now, we'll be like, okay. So we've waited another (laughs) You feel like it's another standard response, like canned response or something, right? Exactly, Yeah. yeah. So how often do you guys back and forth support each other? Like one of you comes and says, oh, whatever, you know, whatever the issue is. And the other one's like, no, 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 let's do this. Let's do this. And then vice versa. Do you play off each other like that? Yeah, that's funny. I feel like Noelle is more of the stressed out one because she's more of the finance kind of (laughs) So I'm always the one that's like, it'll be okay. Like, don't worry. We'll get it done. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm more of like the calm. I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes I get stressed out, but I'm Mm -hmm. more of like the calm person. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like every other day, it seems like. And we're in such a transition in our business. So I think this year we're seeing more of that than maybe next year. We'll be more accustomed to all these things that we have to do. Paperwork, every time we go in with a new vendor, insurance paperwork, all this work in the background. I'm like, and then they don't approve it. I have to go back and forth. And so it's very stressful. And then meantime, we have to focus on marketing and all the other Yeah, and we're such a small team that we do everything. We have to send the invoices out. We do the social media. We go to shows. Some of these companies are so big that they hire people to go to the shows and do it for them and hand out samples. We're doing all of that. Well, it's the two of you, and then at least someone's making the product. Let's go with that. That's true. (laughs) Who else is part of your team? My husband, Pablo. He's a big support, too. Mm -hmm. All right. And what's his role? He communicates between the broker and the stores, and we both kind of do that back and Mm -hmm. forth. He helps with whatever needs to get done, and then I support him on that too. So he handles the brokers. Well, you know, and I think even as you advance, I mean, next year there's things that you're going to know, but there's more things you're going to learn that you don't know. I think that's just the way it's going to always be. Absolutely. And then the market changes or something happens, like there'll always be those challenges, right? Absolutely. I used to think when I started my business that I'm going to get to a point where like I know everything that's going on, everything's going to be running smooth, I'm going to be able to afford a team and have it in place and all is great. And I am still waiting for that year. And I don't think it ever happens because that's just how business is. There's always going to be some type of an obstacle or problem or challenge that you're facing. And if not, you're probably not growing either. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that just comes too comfortable. Right. And then Nicole's going to be stressed out because the numbers aren't going anywhere. (laughs) Right. And you know, another thing is that our team is so small. I make sure that Sarah has a hand in something that I'm doing and that I have a hand in something that she's doing. The same for Pablo. We kind of interchange roles just so that we all understand what each other's work entails. So if one of us gets sick or something, the other person can come and jump in and have an idea of what's going on. Or we have that team effort in everything we do, I think. Yeah, and I feel like we've gotten to the point now where I can almost sense when one of you two are getting stressed out mm-hmm. and I try to like fix it before it gets worse. <laughs> yeah. We're <laughs> like, okay, what can I do to like help this situation? Like, can I take something off of you? Like, let me do something else to help you because it could be really stressful. It can be. Yeah. <laughs> so we're a good team. We communicate all the time. That's really good. Do you have any advice for people who are going into business with family members? Because that could be a disaster. Oh, man. Yeah, we're really fortunate that we all really get along. But we have an older sister. 
and we love her dearly, but I don't know if we could ever go into business with her. She's also part, you know, we make her a part of some decision makings, you know, like, what do you think about this, her input? But there's certain family members that sometimes you just don't have chemistry in, in a work relationship and you have to recognize that. And I think deep down, I think it comes to respecting each other. Some family members are better at listening to each other. You always have family members that are kind of the overpowering ones or it's their way or the highway. We have a lot of family members like that in our family. But we found a good chemistry between the three of us and it works. But we have to, I think, work when it's time to work and hang out as a family when it's family time. We have to separate those two things because it can really consume your life. You could be at eight o'clock at night talking about something and we have to turn it off. We have to make a conscious decision. Hey, let's talk about this tomorrow morning. Let's leave that for tomorrow. Let's talk about something else. Yeah, you need to get away. You still need to have a relationship as family members together. Exactly. It's very important because it can really consume. Yeah, it's really challenging Mm -hmm. sometimes. And you have to be conscientious of how you treat each other. You have to remember like, oh, this is my sister. I can't be that harsh. (laughs) I didn't realize like sometimes like I don't realize sometimes I'll say something that can kind of hurt your feelings. Like, oh, why didn't you do this correctly or something like that? And like, oh, wait, I didn't mean it like that. And then she's also my sister. And I'm like, wait, I can't talk to her like that. You know what I mean? So it's you have to recognize what you're saying a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think because you have history with each other, you know, I mean, your relationship existed long before you went into business and not just as friends, you know, as family and sisters and spouses and all of that. So I can see where it can become a very delicate situation. But it sounds like you guys are managing it wonderfully. Yeah, you have to be conscious. You have to be aware that it's just business. It's nothing personal. It's nothing personal. (laughs) The goal is to live a happy life together. And that's the goal. If you think about that going forward, because people can get kind of consumed by the money spent and we're not hitting our goals or this is super stressful. And, And you know, we all have the same goal too. Yeah. We're all working together to achieve that goal. So at the end of the day, you might say something to me that's kind of hurtful, or I might say something to you, but we understand where we're coming from. Yeah. At the end of the day, we all want to succeed. Mm-hmm. And everyone's human. I mean, it's going to happen. Right. There oh, are yeah. going to be yeah. days that that's going to be that way. But to brush it off, to be able to get back on course, all towards the common goal, all of that, that's a great example. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate sure. it. Yes. As you look at your business, and again, for people who are just starting What kind of tools are you using that you rely on every single day for your business? Well, we use Gmail for our emails. I got a plethora of resources as far as planning apps. We use a lot of Google Docs to share documents. We make lists of different stores. And so everybody can see it, add to it, make notes. We use that a lot. We use WhatsApp a lot for like a group chat where we're sharing information. So we have multiple platforms and where we're communicating all the time. So with either emails or whatever. Tools, we use a lot of resources to keep updated in the industry. We read a lot of articles that are what's going on in our industry and outside overarching macro events that are going on and how it's going to affect us. And what I mean by that, I mean like on a bigger scale, like what's going on with supermarkets, the trends, how are people consuming products? There's a big shift going on. So we just try to keep up to date with that. Mm -hmm. Smart, because then you can pivot and adjust as need be. Absolutely. Wonderful. Any shows that you're doing through the rest of the year? We're considering going to the Expo West in uh, Anaheim and then also the snack food, the sweets and snacks show in Chicago, potentially. Okay, so that's next May, right? Next Mm -hmm. May, yeah. But from now to the end of the year, I don't think so. Bummer, because I'm going to be at the Philadelphia Candy Show. Oh, okay. And guess where it is? Hershey. Yeah. (laughs) So when you said that at the beginning, I'm like, "Ah." Yes. That could be a show for you to look at, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, something to consider. <laughs> it's not going to be in Hershey next year, FYI. This is the okay. last year it's there. But <laughs> that's an aside. And it's in the fall, you said? It's in the fall, and it's also in January. I'm going to be at both of them. I don't know if I want to be in Pennsylvania in January. <laughs> yeah, but you're inside work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the January one, I've never done the January one before. I'm usually at a different show, but I am going this year. And I think that's a smaller one. I think the September one is really the one to go to, you know, if you Same. were to look at it you know, to get started. Anyway, advice to someone who is thinking of starting a business. They're thinking and then they go to sleep and the next morning they wake up, they're all excited. But by nighttime, they're like, no, 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 that's way too much. And they keep going back and forth and wavering. What would you say to that person? 
I would say take it one step at a time. If you look at all the things you have to do, it can get overwhelming. Take it one step at a time. Little tasks and you have little wins over time, I think is very helpful. Also, stay away from scams. I mean, when you start your business and you have a website or social media presence, you will get bombarded with emails of people trying to promise you the world. And oh, yeah, they look at your yeah, we get a lot of people who see our social media page and they'll be like, oh, I love your feed or I love your social media or your Instagram page, but I feel like I can grow it more for you for like $2,000 plus a month. And if it sounds too good to be true, most likely it's too good to be true. That's been our rule of thumb. Yeah, we put a rule out there now that when somebody contacts us, we're not going to work with them. Yeah, (laughs) most of the time it doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, we really, and we asked them questions. And and when we first started, we were a little bit shy about this, about asking for references and their background. In the beginning, we're like, oh no, but they seem really big. It would be embarrassing for me. Like, who am I to ask them for all this information? But never be embarrassed to ask for references or their background, details about their background. If someone's asking you for money, you have that right to ask as much detail as you want about them. So that's been our takeaway from staying away from overspending on people like that. Is just be careful, but stick with it. Little things at a time make a big difference. You step back and you realize, oh my gosh, I did all of this in four months, six months, a year. And you're like, I accomplished my goal. So just little tasks at a time. I love it. Yes, you're right. The small step by step. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And that's what looks achievable. And I'm just going to make a comment really quick about what you're talking about with the money. The second worst case is you're out a lot of money because they've done nothing. The even worse case is if you already, like to use your idea about social media, what they've given you are just bots to your site. Because if that's happened and you ever want to analyze who your customer is against who likes your Facebook page or Instagram, you can't because now your information is all muddied. So you really do have to think it through. And I like what you're saying, taking control and really analyzing and asking the hard questions and making decisions from there. That was really smart. I really appreciate you bringing it up. Of course. And a lot of these companies, they prey on small businesses. They know that there are moments of stress in every business and they know that they're going to say the right words to make you think like, oh, these people can solve all of my problems. You know, yeah, like, I don't have time to work on social media. Like, why don't I just hire somebody just to focus on my social media for me? They seem like yeah. they know what they're doing or even sales. Like some people will promise you, oh, I can get you into Target here or there. Sign this paper that says you owe me commissions for the rest of your life. You just have to be really careful. Really careful. SEO, too, is another topic. Right. I visited your website. I can fix your keywords, get more traffic to your website, get you sales, all that. All oh, things yeah. to be really wary of. You're right. So now I think we've scared everybody away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the main thing is also reach out to people in the business who are doing it right or you see them, reach out to them, ask some questions. I've had other entrepreneurs reach out to us and ask us like, hey, how did you do it? I'm interested in starting a food product. Can you share some information with me? Absolutely. We try to be as transparent as possible, help other people in this business because we know it's tough. Yeah. And we wish we had someone who could walk yeah, us through like, it. Uh, you know, Noelle and I, when we meet somebody who just starts out in the food product and like, well, how did you guys do this? Like, how did you guys grow to this point? People just see our success right now. And then we tell them, you know, honestly, in the beginning, we went through a lot. We didn't know. We made a lot of mistakes. We didn't have that person to go to and ask questions that are in the industry. And there's a lot of unknowns in this industry that a lot of people don't know. And we didn't know either. So when somebody approaches us and they have a food product, we're more than happy to give them advice because this industry is difficult on its own. It's so hard. So we feel like if we can just take a little bit of stress out of somebody and just give them that little bit of advice that can help them in the future or help them grow their business, we're more than happy to give that to Mm -hmm. them. Well, and it has to feel so great because you mentioned earlier that that's what you did in the beginning too. You reached out and tried to learn from people. Some were receptive and some weren't. So isn't it cool now that people are reaching out to you? It is. It's really neat. We just share our experience with them and they're very excited about it. And for some people, I had one of my friends now and we became really good friends. She was in tears when I was telling her all these detailed stuff because she had been going around in circles and she just hit to that point where she couldn't find anybody to give her this information. She couldn't find it online very easily. And she was in tears. She's like, thank you so much. You stopped me from spending all this money going into a direction Mm -hmm. that I didn't know. I'm going to take it another way that's more comfortable for me and my family. I said, yeah, start there and then grow organically from there. 
Sometimes it's just that one little thing they need, that one piece of advice or that one encouragement or direction to go one way or another, and then they can go. Then they're on the way. Right. That support. Yeah. So what does the future hold for you guys? Can you give us a glimpse into what your dreams would be if they could be almost insurmountable for the future? Like, what's that huge, big dream? I think for, I guess I could speak for both of us. I don't know, Sarah. It's just to see our product everywhere. (laughs) That's good. We want to share it with everybody. We want to grow other businesses in the future and continue that creative process going forward. Yeah, I mean, I sort of had the same dream, of course. But I always like wanted to have this feeling where I walk into a supermarket and I see somebody buy our product on the shelves and just have that excitement, like, oh, somebody's actually buying my product. Yeah, <laughs> you want to go up to them and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, <laughs> it's my product. Thank you for buying my product. That's so great. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when you say you want to see your product everywhere, I have that same dream because I wish I had your product right sitting here on my desk right now. <laughs> so I could use it. It is so yummy. I loved sampling it at the show. Share with us how some of our listeners would be able to sample. Where would you send them to get product? So depending on where you live, if you live in New York, we have a couple of cafes that we're into that we sell at. We have on our website, if you go to the contact us link, there's you could type in your zip code and see where the nearest store is. And also you can order it online. We ship in all states. That's kind of everybody can get it now. Perfect. And your website is barabytes.com for those people who aren't at a place where they can write it down. Barabytes.com. And all of the links, social media sites, all of that will be on the show notes. Gift Biz listeners, you know that already, but I just thought I would remind you. Sarah and Noelle, thank you so much. Your story has been fascinating. And I really was interested in the fact that you started right away going in for the bigger picture, for the wholesale play versus doing the individual sales. That's something we haven't heard here on the show before. So that was really interesting. So many really good, solid best practices to your business growth. I look forward to seeing what happens with you guys in the future, and I wish you both much success. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Sue. It's so impressive to hear how far Sarah and Noelle have come since just January. I hope you think about this idea of influencer marketing and try it out for your business too. You know, if you're a local business, influencers for you could be the mayor of your town, the high school principal, or even a famous person who grew up in your town. Take this idea and tweak it to be your own it's possible you'll land on some really amazing results. So let's see. Up next week, we're going from one sweet business to another. Sweets are in the air, and I'm sure it's because my mind is set on the holidays. And hopefully yours is too. Halloween is only a few short days away, and after that, full steam ahead for the biggest sales season of the year. Do you have everything in place? Are you still finalizing? Maybe there's still a spot in your plans to include influencer marketing. My wheels are actually even spinning over here about that a little bit. Anyway, make it a great week, and I look forward to us being together again next Monday. Bye for now. Are you discouraged because your business is not performing as you had envisioned? Are you stuck and confused about how to turn things around? Sue's new best-selling book is structured to help you identify where the holes are in your business and show you exactly how to fix them. You'll learn from Sue and owners just like you who are seeing real growth and are living their dream. Maker to master. Find and fix what's not working in your small business. Get it on Amazon or through www.giftbizunwrapped.com master.